With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey everyone, my name is Danilo Petrovic. I'm Ilya Marchenko. I'm Dennis Kudla. I'm Evgeny Donsko. I'm Henry Larson. I'm Peter Torepko and you're listening to the Game to Love podcast. Hey, welcome back, tennis fans. Here we are. Thought we'd do this podcast before uh, well, before everything got going with Madrid, which is coming up. We'll be doing a draw preview later. Uh, we're conscious of the time. Uh, this one, we're just going to be rounding up a little bit. Uh, the incredible action from the weekend that saw Rafael Nadal take his 12th Barcelona Open title in quite epic fashion. JG covered it. He was, uh, well, I'm surprised. He was nearly as ecstatic as I was when Karatsev beat Djokovic in Belgrade, I think. Uh, and John Silk, oh, I don't know. He nearly pulled all of his hair out, I think, by the end of that match. Uh, <laughs> I nearly had a, a, a bald John by the end of it. I was watching it back and, mate, the scenes was pretty incredible. Big thank you to everyone who joined us for it. And and like you said, what a weekend it was. There was so much tennis action. I thought Barcelona sort of eclipsed Belgrade in the end. I thought the yeah. Djokovic-Karatsev one was, was great. But the final in Barcelona was just another level. And Sitipas, uh, we should really start with him because he's just been the man to beat the last month, really. But obviously, winning Monte Carlo... It looked like at one stage, Norm's going to take a set off him. He won 17 sets in a row. Yeah. And it took Rafael Nadal on Pista de Rafael Nadal to eventually stop him in his tracks and take a set. And um, the match, I'll tell you what, it was it was in a knife edge, knife edge, to be honest, mate. And there wasn't as much as Rafa won. There was nothing between them uh, on the day, I believe. I thought both of them really did whatever they could to try and win the match. But there was yeah. one difference, and that was Rafa's experience in these big moments and the fact that he just wanted it more than Sitipas. I don't care what people say. People can say Sitipas is the young guy. He should be hungrier. Rafa's won it so many other times before. But yeah. the hunger I saw from Rafa, I've, I've literally not seen it for, for a very, very long time. This 
for me, look like he's back to having a brilliant season. And I think that it's going to be difficult to topple him in these upcoming uh, clay court events. It was definitely refreshing to see, wasn't it? It wasn't uh, like the Rafa Nadal we had playing Andre Rublev. If we just remember, it was only a week or so ago. He was serving up seven double faults, looked like a completely different player, got blown off the court really by Andre Rublev uh, uh, and lost in quite a dismal fashion in Monte Carlo. And we just thought, oh no, this is a, it's hopefully not a sign of things to come. He obviously dropped a set against Ivashka in the first uh, game of this tournament. Thought, oh, he's still not looking great. And gradually as the tournament went on, started picking up a little bit. He was dropping sets and then he faced yeah, Cam- Don't, don't Cam- get me wrong, Ben. I want to just clarify. I don't think he's looking that great now in terms of ability-wise. Like the way he's playing, there's spells of just absolute, wow, yeah, blown away. Yeah. How has he done that? That's just incredible. But on the grand scheme of things, this is not uh, a vintage Rafael Nadal right now. I don't no. get it twisted. We've seen him play a lot better than this. But what I'm talking about is the fact that his fight and desire has always been one of the best in tennis, in my opinion. But right now, he looks very hungry. He looks extremely hungry. He looks like a man who's had a year off of tennis because of the coronavirus, and he wants to make up for it, double as much. And um, I would be petrified for, if I was any other players, going into Madrid, going into Rome, going into Roland Garros, because this man looks like he wants to take the lot. He honestly yeah. does. And I think with his experience and what he offers on the court and obviously the class, uh, it just doesn't really doesn't really leave him at all. I honestly think it's going to be difficult for anyone to beat him. I know. Uh, and I thought it was a bit strange as well, just the, the way that things turned out last uh, last week. Obviously, Rafa looked the one who was struggling a little bit. Djokovic looked like the one he was completely wiping the floor with everybody, uh, with Kwon, uh, Kwon Soon Wu and with Kekmanovic, he just breezed past, past both of those and then came up against Karatsev and well, uh, he had to play pretty much defensive tennis for three and a half hours scampering around the baseline and uh, it was just, a, I don't know mate, I, I can barely remember the match to be honest, <laughs> the state I was in, I think it was one of those ones which uh, everyone else will remember for a long time but uh, I'll have to flick back. And, well the uh, funny thing is again. mate, it's there forever, it's on YouTube, it's not going mate. anywhere unless we delete it so you can watch no. yourself go back. Mate, I, um, I, mate, I remember spells, but uh, yeah, it was a bit of a, uh, it was a barn burner, mate. And we were treated to two barn burners. We were treated to that one. And we thought, can it get better than that? <laughs> and then Sitipas versus uh, Nadal. And Sitipas, I mean, credit to him. We've got to mention him in this uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, incredible run that he has had. Uh, we were talking about him. We did the podcast on him. We said... This is the guy who is probably going to be challenging Rafa at the French Open and be the biggest threat. And he showed it in that match. He yep. saved match points in the second set. He, he had came... match points. Yeah, he had match points in the third set. It was it was like the closest match you possibly could have had in that final. And it was brilliant to see. And he was just playing. I just don't, don't think you can really get. Um, I mean, for he must have been so upset, and you saw it like in his face. Like it, yeah, he's yeah. played so well, and he, that was his chance. Really, he was devastated. To... He was devastated, and rightfully so. Because if you're being realistic, if you look at the actual final, and just be completely honest, I thought Sitipas 
was marginally the better player on the day. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people are saying he was oh by far the better player. Sitter pass, he was uh, all over Rafa from the early doors and early in the second set as well. But for me, it wasn't the case. I think Rafa was, he was just sort of biding his time a little bit. And there were still moments of just complete wow. Um, yeah. So many crazy points from him. And I thought his defence and recovery, especially in the business end of the sets, was just unrivaled. Yeah. And ultimately, the reason he won the one that won it because he wanted it a lot more than Sitapas. Um, Sitapas come out after the match and was just saying, "This guy just doesn't know how to lose. He doesn't want to lose. He can't <laughs> lose. He's an absolute beast." And if you want someone to win a match on something, like if I was playing, um, if I was playing Monopoly or something, I wouldn't want to play against Rafael Nadal. No, mate. Because he'd just... be the type of guy you'd never sell any of any of your houses to. He'd just be there. And he would just be so determined to win. And his de- determination is just unrivaled for me. And I think it just shone through in this in this match here today, uh, the other day. I mean, it, sh- it definitely showed in a few of those rallies as well. You saw when they got into those net, both come to the net rallies where it was sort of a little touch here, a little touch there. Rafa always had the last uh, touch on those one, on those little interplay at the nets and uh, he would always get an, a final racket on yeah. it and push it past Sitipas and that is what you need in those matches it was that desire to keep staying in the rally all the time and I don't know that bit at the end mate goosebumps from him on that but setting up match point uh, unbelievable or unbelievable yeah. uh, <laughs> as well Rafa- you saw how much it meant to him I think John was touching on the stream as well it's lucky he just won a grand slam I don't want to say no offence it's just Madrid in terms of it's not one of the... It's a big tournament, don't get me wrong. Barcelona. It's a big trophy as well. Sorry, Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. It's a big it's a big tournament. Huge trophy, to be fair. It's about yeah, the size of Rafa, the trophy. Um, but in terms of the Grand Slams and uh, some of the Masters tournaments, they're slightly bigger, you'd say. However, the way he celebrated it, you'd think it was, I don't know, a, a, a massive Grand Slam, like winning Wimbledon or something for him. Felt like it, though. It felt like that type of occasion, didn't it? Yeah. Even with, with us covering the stream, with all the people, the, all the interest around that final, just considering how well Tsitsipas had been playing, everyone thought, this this could be the upset. Like This Rafa could get toppled here in Barcelona, and it nearly happened. So I think credit to both players, but this is why we sort of thought we'd throw this uh, title out on the podcast, because there's some interesting... Uh, stuff coming up there's some interesting tournaments we obviously got madrid coming up we've got yeah. rome coming up uh and we've got uh obviously roland garros and don't forget even though rafa he's defending champion in uh roland garros Djokovic is going to be defending uh a hell of a lot of points yeah uh, uh obviously he won rome last year rafa didn't do very well in rome last year he lost to schwartzman obviously he won't be defending as many points if Djokovic doesn't do as well in that tournament uh, this time round and raffles to go and win it, let's say. Not saying that, that it's going to happen, but it could happen. Yeah, That's, yeah. And you, you start to see uh, a little bit of a pattern there. And then obviously Djokovic got to the final of Roland Garros last year. If he doesn't manage to get to the final this year and Rafa goes and wins it again, then he'll drop more points as well. So I think that it's a chance now for Rafa to get uh, all the way to Wimbledon. Even Wimbledon, Djokovic won Wimbledon as well. He he has to win it again to defend all of those. Djokovic is a victim of his own success, really, in this uh, in this number one race. He's got so many points to defend and so many tournament wins. Rafa, if he has a good run, he could 
pip in, mate, and he could by the time we hit Wimbledon or are just after Wimbledon, it could be Rafa's. Yeah, I don't think you meant Roman there because obviously, as Melis is saying, Rafa won. He's got a, a Rome title on the books from 2019, so he won't gain anything yes, from sorry. Rome. But obviously, Madrid, he can Madrid. gain some stuff as well. And Djokovic, he's defending some. Uh, he's defending points from Madrid as well, is he not? He, he won Madrid last time. Yes, he did. He won. He won in Madrid against Sitipas, I believe. Against Sitipas, yeah, you're correct, mate. And that was when Sitipas beat Nadal in the semi-finals. So yep. Nadal, if he manages to go through and win it, and Djokovic doesn't get as far. I mean, but obviously we saw him lose to Dan Evans in Monte Carlo. He's lost to Karatsev in Serbia. Uh, yep. He's going to be a bit worried, I think, if he's coming up against uh, certain players. Now he needs to really turn it up, Djokovic. Uh, there's no room for error uh, if he wants to maintain his number one uh, and weeks at number one continuing to increase. So Rafa's yeah. breathing down your collar. <laughs> well, good, good thing for Rafa now is the biggest one is that he's overtaken Medvedev. So he's he's second. He's going to be yeah. the second seed to a lot of tournaments. You'd expect to see a bit more of Medvedev. I'm not sure what he's entering, but he's the one. If you're looking at this debate, in theory, he's got the best chance of becoming world number one. Come Wimbledon. I know it sounds crazy what I'm going to say, but these two are defending so many points. He's defending absolutely <laughs> nothing, Medvedev. If he has a storming run, we know he's more than capable. Why not? Yeah. Can't he have a little clay court run and do something good? If he was to win one of these yeah, events, maybe. it would propel him all the way to the top because he's not far off at all. And people no. forget that with Medvedev. He's not defending many clay court uh, points at all. And no. uh, just just quickly talking about some stats as well. I know we've, we've gone to talking about the rankings. I'll get back to that in a minute. Yeah. But I just want to say that title in Barcelona, that's Nadal's 87th ATP Tour title and his 61st clay court title. It's absurd, isn't it? It's just disgusting, <laughs> amount, <laughs> disgusting amount of titles. So he's won court. 87 ATP titles and 61 clay court titles. Wow. So you can tell what his favourite surface is, that's for sure. Yeah, no, well, there's no doubt in that. Uh, do you think Medvedev could ever trouble... Uh, Nadal in any of these tournaments? If should he meet him in on the clay? No, not really personally, but you never know. Nadal could get on. Unsc- he could face it like an informed Karatsev or something, and anything's possible in tennis, obviously. But I'm actually going off the bat that I think now Nadal is going to be the one to beat in these tournaments. You'd expect yeah. him. He's going to play Madrid. Um, you'd expect him to go and play Rome as well. I know they're back to back, aren't they? But he usually does. And then we'll have the French Open as well. And for me, all three of them, as much as you can look at the likes of a Sittipas, uh, Djokovic in, in, in a few of them, I just don't see anyone beating him. I really don't. And that is not because he's playing well. That's because he looks like he's got a bit of a bee in his bonnet and he doesn't want to be beaten in terms of he knows the importance of this year. He's coming towards an end of his career, you could say. And he's sort of putting a lot more emphasis on this. It's like it means a lot more that, more to him now than what it did in the earlier days. Uh, oh, sure. Maybe maybe I'm just being crazy. I don't know, but that's just what the sort of image I'm getting from the whole thing. And he he's as frustrated as many people with the fact that his serving's not quite going there. I think he's going to work hard on it, and hopefully, if he can correct that second serve and, and work on that, and then just obviously just keep focusing on some other drills as well. Watch out, mate. Well, I think it's one of those things you can see why he's so fired up. He's level on 20 with Roger and Roger's not even in the picture at the moment. And to be suddenly now losing his serve and uh, having this bad, 
I don't know, it's not bad form, I would say, but just bad service form on clay and just at the time when he needs to be hitting that form to grab that 21st Grand Slam. He probably is very annoyed. He's just this. That's why that Barcelona one meant so much. I think it wasn't just the fact it was his 12th one. It wasn't. It was just the fact he had to fight through so much crap, let's say, of his own game letting him down throughout the tournament. And he managed to fight through it and still win and sign of a champion or what. Uh, I think he was, I don't know, one of the best performances I've seen from Nadal considering yeah, he wasn't playing. Considering the circumstances, because well, he wasn't playing yeah. too good and sit pass was. Like, he is the most informed guy right now to be playing. And uh, I think it highlights it in what he said after the match. I did have it here somewhere. Let's see if I can find it. Here we go. Yeah, this is what he was saying. He was like, I think I never played a final like this in this tournament. So it means a lot to me against a player like him after yeah. what he achieved in Monte Carlo uh, and the final here without losing a set. It's an important victory for me. I think I've been increasing my level during the whole week and this victory confirms it. That's important for today. To have the trophy with me yeah. here at home means a lot, but at the same time for the future. So he was like sort of alluding to the future yeah. and how important this is mentally for him going forward in the future because there's been a lot of questions asked about him ever since the Australian Open lost a sitter pass. Like, is it the same and fire in Madrid. from him? And, and in Madrid as well, he lost to him, don't forget, in the semi-finals, yeah. and that was on the clay. So it's just, that was probably a big hurdle for Rafa to overcome. This is a guy that's actually had his number uh, on the last uh, sort of couple of uh, big occasions. So... It did very well just to uh, put him away. And that will now give him the confidence to probably think he can beat anybody. Because Sitapas looked like he was unbeatable, really, on the card. Yeah. I didn't know anyone was even getting close. No one could even touch him. He just wiped the court with Rublev. It was just yeah, crazy. There has certainly been some one kind of, a, a, like a bit of an issue, like something niggling with Rafa. It's the whole tie break stuff. He's not, he's struggling with that. A few of the overhead smashes, something he's yeah. been brilliant with. The second serve over the years, something else he's been really good with. And that's why I, it was really interesting what he said about his future and how this means a lot for him in the future because it's sort of giving him that bit of uh, re reaffirmation. Is that the word? Reaffirmation? Yeah. It's reaffirmed. It's yeah. reaffirmed re in his head. Reaffirmation. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. It, that that, that he, he can still do it with the very best. Young guns, whoever they are. Even Karatsev, I feel like he's going to be. He's, he knows what he's, he knows what he can do, and um, I just I would watch out for him, mate. Definitely, uh, I think uh, is we need to speak about Djokovic and what do you reckon his expectations are going to be for this clay court swing or for the rest of the clay court swing leading up to Roland Garros and. Uh, how uh, do you reckon he fancies his chances at Roland Garros this year, considering hasn't really, uh, I don't know, I, I, I wouldn't say he's looked terrible. I wouldn't say he's looked am amazing either. I thought he looked pretty good up until he faced Karatsev, but Karatsev just seems to have this ability. Yeah, he didn't, he's not really played anyone to really sort of challenge him. And when he has played someone like a Karatsev, if you look at, I don't know if you want to get it up on the screen, let's see who Djokovic has played recently. It's probably oh, easier to go down. I'll pop it up on the screen, no problemo. Hang on, I'll make it a little bit bigger because it's probably a little bit small for you guys. Uh, there you go. Uh, right, so... So go up, this is just Australian Open. So from Monte Carlo, he's obviously beat Sinner. That was the one what I thought was just amazing. Yeah, uh, it was first really time good. We, first time we saw him on the clay. 
we didn't cover a live watch long for it, but it was super impressive because there was some talks or could Tinder do something here? Yeah. And he completely dismissed every possible claim and wiped him off the court. Yep. The Dan Evans one, polar opposite. I don't know what happens. What a day between well, it. 45 unforced errors, wasn't it? 45 unforced error. Wasn't looking very good. If he played that level against Sinner, he would have lost against Sinner. Yeah. Um, you then look at Kwon Soon. No offence. You'd expect him to beat him. Kwon Soon's not going to... He was playing not well, a real, though, Kwon Soon, though. But still, yeah, you wouldn't He's not a world beater, him. is he? He's not going to be winning Grand Slams or, or big events anytime soon. Kesmanovic as well. He's a good player on his day, but I think it's that same Serbian effect. When you play someone from your home, like an idol, probably, Novak Djokovic to Kizmanovic, um, just come unstuck, couldn't deal with it at all. And then obviously lost to Karatsev. So it's not really a big body of work to judge him on um, and sort of the players he's, he's seen. So I'm sure he's going to be there and thereabouts in, in, in the French Open. No doubt. He got to the final last year, but there's nothing I've seen so far that's filled me with enough confidence to think, oh, watch out for Novak Djokovic this year. No, I mean, uh, on the hard courts, definitely. And uh, that match against Sinner, yeah. But other than that, there's been a little bit of inconsistency. Obviously, we know he's the type of player who will turn up on the big occasion. So don't even read too much into uh, these other tournaments. When it comes to Grand Slam, and uh, you know that you've got the nerves, the additional nerves for all the other players. He handles them better than everybody. So I'm sure he'll still be there or thereabouts when it comes to the uh, French Open. I-, I can't see that many people really getting one over on him. But imagine if he, he draws someone like Karatsev in the like, third round or something. It all depends would... on the draw. He could get someone <laughs> just completely like a, a guy you just do not want to face who's hitting crazy form at the time. And I, I personally, I'm going to make a big claim. I think Djokovic is going to go out early doors in in, uh, in the French Open. Oh, God. that's uh, I'd like to see the draw preview before this, but I still I think, think he's going to be... be I think he's going to be not that bothered either, especially Wimbledon's going to be, what, one week less than what he usually is in the, in the distance. His focus is going to be on Wimbledon. He's going to be the outright favourite for Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, as much as I said other people, I do believe he will win Wimbledon as well, personally. What do you think? Um, Dominic team, do you reckon he'll be uh, making a, a well? Beat I, I need to. I don't know, mate. I'm not sure what's happening with Dominic team. Let us know in the chat, guys, if people know more. I know he's been suffering with some mental issues as well. Um, hopefully, he's okay. To be honest, because it's yeah. horrible to see. I don't um, think it's that bad, but I think he's just precautionary. I think that's what he's been saying. He's just. Uh, he just wants to be fully fit when he comes back. He doesn't want to come back and have to go back out again. So I, I can understand it. Uh, I think that. He's probably just focusing on the bigger tournaments right now. If he can get in, is he going to be in Madrid? We'll wait and yeah. see uh, if he's in that draw. It'd be super exciting if he is because this is another adversary for Rafa, really. Another person he doesn't really want to face on the clay uh, up there probably with now Tsitsipas as well. Yeah, Djokovic. I think Thomas is just saying here that he's just worn down, physically worn down. And just going back to Djokovic, Gene there, he's a big Djokovic fan. He's saying, um, no, not that one, sorry. Uh, he's saying Djokovic is more vulnerable on clay since 2019. Like he's there's a lot of people as well. I've seen a lot of people on Djokovic Twitter. Um, I feel like he's just got his own Twitter. Djokovic fans, and uh, some of them are very friendly. Others not so much. Uh, but from what I've seen, from what they're saying and talking about, they're not that optimistic in this upcoming clay court swing, especially Roland Garros as well for Novak Djokovic. Personally, I think his eyes are more set on Wimbledon and everything after that. And that's where he's going to be a bit more dominant again. So this is why this is the month for Rafael Nadal. 
because without Djokovic in the picture so much, I don't think anyone beats him. And the amount of points he can accumulate, it's hard to work out of all the, the, the points. Apologies if we've got anything of it mixed up. I know there's only going to be 50% dropping off from the 2019 and you've yes. other points dropping off. It's, it's hard to all work out the exact uh, workings, workings out of it all. But if he is to go and win, say, these tournaments upcoming right now, it's going to put him in a really favourable position to number one, solidify his place and number two, because Medvedev's going to be right hot on his towels and that's going to be super important for the seeding. And obviously, approaching world number one. If he can have a good um, sort of spring, uh, autumn time uh, coming into like the end of the year, he's going to be really tight. And I'm still going to stick with my initial prediction, which I made at the beginning of the year, and that's Rafa's going to end world number one come December time or November time, whatever it is. Well, we'll have to wait and see, mate. There's still, uh, we still got another, well, two grand slams after uh, the French Open and a lot of hard court tournaments to be played. Uh, so, and obviously, we'll be having our first ATP finals in Turin at the end of the year, which will be super exciting. Hopefully, we get to see some new faces there. Maybe a little Karatsev makes it in there. You never know if he keeps up his form, mate. That would be epic. What an end to a year that would be for Karat. Imagine that. I'm just yeah. dying to see where he can finish in the rankings at the end of the year. What an incredible... Uh... Oh, he's, he keeps shooting up there. I saw um, Massetti as well. He's at his all-time highest. So that's good to see. Unfortunately, Alcaraz went out today. Yeah. Uh, I know Davor, if he's listening, he's going to be thrilled with that because Marin Silic won there. Uh, and Gene's just asking, are we going to be doing the WTA Madrid Open draw? Yes, we'll be doing that later on tonight. I believe in about three hours' time, maybe a bit longer. So hopefully, um, well, go check out the video on there. Make sure you hit the bell on it and, and it'll let us let you know when we're going live for that. It's, it looks like a stacked draw from what I've seen and I'm super excited to get in, involved in that. So hopefully we'll see you in the live chat. Yeah, indeed. It's going to be an exciting one, that, isn't it? It's a very stacked draw uh, uh, WTA 1000 event, I believe. And uh, the the week after, I believe that's when the men's kicks off. So we'll be having even more crazy action going on in Spain once more. <laughs> Can you believe it? All of these uh, Spanish tournaments lined up. It's almost uh, made for Rafael Nadal, you would think. But I'm sure that uh, Djokovic is going to be wanting to uh, get his name in, back in the uh, positive headlines and uh, he's not going to just, he's not just going to bow out, mate. I don't think uh, these results, he, he, he's the type of person, Djokovic, that if he has bad results, they affect him in a positive uh, like way. So I think that he will come back stronger. He will not want to go out and bow out early in a Madrid Masters. He will want to uh, probably make a, uh, like a statement in that tournament to say, I'm going to be there for the French Open and I'm going to be there in the in the latter rounds of it. So, mate, yeah. I, I think it's going to be super interesting. I'm excited yeah. for it. I'm excited for the women's one as well, mate, but we, yeah. we'll, we'll cover that later. Anyway, shout out to you, Dav. Obviously, he's thrilled with that Silic win today. Yeah. We've got Matthew asking uh, thoughts on outsiders for Aaron Garros. We'll obviously do loads of previews for for that. We've still got about a month or so. Yeah, uh, yeah. Zverev, he's saying, is Zverev on par with Sitterpass? N- not a chance for me. I think Sitterpass <laughs> is in his own little bracket now where yeah. Dominic Ting's been the last few years. He, for me, is the Prince of Clay, just second to Rafael Nadal. Watch out for Sitterpass. I would love, personally, to watch Sitterpass, Dominic Team 
battle it out on clay. For me, that is a match I want to see. I would love it to be like a semi-final of Roland Garros or something awesome like that. Uh, but we'll see what happens with team and those injuries. Sitter pass is going to be right there, in my opinion. So let's see how it goes. They're two players I'm really excited for. And I think they've got their own little bracket now on, on the clay courts. Well, yeah, mate, don't forget, he, uh, he's he got his own little bracket on his own, doesn't he, to this pass. He's sort of sat there in fifth in the world and uh, not really challenged by sixth. And just on the cusp of fourth, really, he's only 400 points behind Dominic Team. Uh, there's a chance he can overtake him, uh, I'm sure, if he really puts in all of the effort over the remainder of this clay court swing, I think. What do you think of that one, then? Has that... Sitapas taken, overtaken team for the Prince of Clay? Not not yet for me. I think that... Uh, I, th- I really think that he he needs to... I think he's to beat Dominic Team on clay to go to take the title. That's what I think. I think that that would be the ideal matchup. If they get to play each other in like a semi or a final, you might get to see who is the real prince of clay. So Let's sell it there. That's a good idea. Yeah. And um, where's another one? It's gone now. Uh, we've got Vanch here saying, I think the Stefanos loss will halt the momentum he had. Let's see if he can get over the wow. loss. I'm not so sure, actually. Usually I would agree with you, but I think. The nature and the way he lost, he can't be too disheartened with. Like if he produces that level, he wins ninety nine percent of the time. Um, yeah. It's just a bit of a blip in terms of you're playing someone. He's a generational talent. Um, someone who you look. I've read some statistics earlier on Rafa on clay. The amount of titles he's won, his win percentage. He just he rarely drops sets, let alone matches. So Sitipas needs to leave with his head held high, and I'm sure we're going to see him in the latter part of events to come, for sure. Gene saying there that Sitsipas has won a Masters on clay and team hasn't. Very weird. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> point. Done very well. but uh, so he's, he's actually 1-0 up then on the Prince of Clay argument so far, Sitsipas. It's, it's a little bit of a weird one, but then can, you have to take into account uh, performances. Team's got to a few of them Roland Garros finals though, hasn't he? Mate, yeah, and the performances against Rafa in them have been incredible. So I don't... It's it's running him close in a Grand Slam. That's something else for me. Uh, yeah. You can run him close in Barcelona. But if you can run him close in Roland Garros, that is that is, I think if you can finally get it over the line and beat Rafa there, then you go down in history. Yeah. Anyway, so. we're going to wrap it up there, guys. We're going to be coming to you later on for some draw previews for the women's. Um, uh, what's it? The Matua Madrid yep. Open. That's it. Yeah. There we go. So we'll see you there, guys. <laughs> Cheers, guys. See you later. Podcast Network.